Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host. And today on the show, Becca McKay and I talk about what to do when you face resistance from uh, friends, family members, uh, folks in society when you talk about the way that you parent. Um, This is something that if you are uh, attempting to parent in a more connected way, an attachment-focused way, gentle parenting, you know, whatever whatever you want to call um, this style of parenting, we would call it connected parenting. But if you're trying to parent this way, you might encounter some resistance from folks in the outside world. Our best advice for that would be, uh, number one, to know why you're trying to parent this way. Um, But we talk a lot about how to handle these things. We also talk about um, a tool that we have developed along with the folks that show hope um, called the Trauma Competency Continuum. And so um, it helps us to to better explain where people are on that spectrum um, in this process. And so just a really helpful, I think, episode for how to kind of cope with and then move with our people into a trauma-informed place in life. And so uh, without any further ado, here it is, Becca and I talking about uh, what to do when you meet resistance. All right, well, Becca McKay and I are here, and uh, we wanted to take a uh, pause from the series we've been talking about where we deep dive into specific parenting issues um, and and come up to the surface a little bit and talk about uh, resistance. And so, um, Becca, we were talking before we started recording about, um, you know, the comments we see often or DMs from social media of um, uh, whether you, I don't know, you can call them haters or naysayers or, you know, skeptics or whatever, um, which is natural. Like, uh, we get a lot of those comments. So we see you, we hear you. If that's you out there and you're like, man, I, I, I am trying, but it's, I'm swimming upstream because other folks in my circle are not super supportive this way of parenting yet. Um, we're here to help you today or talk to you about that at least. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody runs into that when you first get this information, when you first hear this new way of thinking with connection as a focus and attachment and all those kind of things. It's like, man, this is really hard because my husband is not thinking this way or, Hey, we're on the same page, but like great aunt Mildra is like (laughs) not having it. So when we go visit her, like this is not going well, or maybe like you got a school teacher in mind or a certain principal or a certain pediatrician, like whoever's in your sphere. And so it can feel super lonely and it can feel like, well, am I like, am I doing this right? Like it, are they right? Like, is this the right way? And so it can be really hard. And then once you do kind of buy in all the way and you're like, no, this is the right way. Like, this is how I want to interact with my kids. Then it can be really hard because you can get real angry. Like you can get mad. Um, Why can't you see it? Why are you like, why is this a fight? Why can't you see it the way that I see it? Um, And I think, you know, for a second, let's just like talk about why that is like, why do people resist it so hard? Like what, what have you seen JD in your experience? Well, I mean, I think, Number one, I can just share my own experience. And I will say, thankfully, now we are not in the place where we started. Um, that when we first started down this road, there is definitely the feeling, whether it was from uh, extended family or close friends. I mean, I, my wife and I both grew up um, as churched as you could be. Like, grew up, my granddad was a pastor. Like, we were in church every Sunday. My wife went to a Christian school growing up. They were in church all the time. So, we just grew up very traditional Southern Christian 
people and, and kind of expected that we would take, uh, you know, so to speak, the best of our parenting backgrounds and just incorporate them. And what we were finding was that, uh, and this is not a knock on our parents, that wasn't working for us. Like we were beginning to parent and starting to see some stuff that we had no answers for. And so we started diving into, um, and I've shared this story a million times in the show, but I talked to Mo, Hey, we're drowning his parents. I'm a terrible dad. I don't know what to do. He told me about the ETC parenting class. We jumped in the rest is history. But when we begin trying to implement that, I mean, the pushback we were getting from friends was a lot of time, number one, well, like, that's not how our kids are parented. We would get that from some of our friends of color. Like, some of our African-American friends would be like, well, that's not, that's not how we parent our kids. Like, that's not how we do that. Um, or from uh, very traditional conservative Christian families, like, well, like, you can't do that. Like, you spare the rod, spoil a child. Like, you can't, you cannot, like, be dismissive and just let everything go, which is not what this parenting says, obviously. But um, the thing that really set in for us, and, and we went through the ETC parenting classes actually three different times, and um, one of those got interrupted by a childbirth. Like, we knew we were pregnant, but, like, <laughs> we thought we were going to make it all the way to the end of the class, and baby came a little bit early. But uh, the other thing that happened is that it took time for us to be able to establish new patterns of parenting. Yes. So in the beginning, we were doubting ourselves too. Like, I don't even know, does this even work? Like redos, like I don't want to do redos right now. Like I want to spank this kid and get out of here. Like let's yeah. move on. And once we began, uh, two things, once we began to be consistent and just know the material better, know, have frameworks, instead of knowing scripts necessarily, having frameworks, like having thought processes that covered certain areas of uh, parenting and life, that helped a ton. For me, and, and my personality specifically, this isn't everybody, but for me, um, seeing evidence behind yeah. the, the stuff made me uh, like seeing the science and, and understanding the, the neuroscience and the and seeing the evidence behind um, TBRI and connected parenting, it made a, just, it was a game changer for me because if I knew, okay, there literally are, you know, years of research behind this that are showing, here's the results that happen when you parent in this way and getting to hear Dr. Purvis teach and Darren Jones, shout out to Darren, we got to be with him last week, it was awesome. Um, that, like getting to hear them teach and then being able to see it um, played out in the research and in the science helped me to have confidence in it and know, okay, well, I know I can step down this road and there will be change that comes. But, um, you know, we, like, we don't like breaking out of our norms, right? right? So like for us, there was all kind of identity stuff wrapped up in our parenting. And for me, it was easy to let go because I was failing, right? Um, it was harder for my wife because she, she, she is a very like strong, independent, like capable, um, competent, like skilled person. And so she has worked with kids almost her entire life and she is awesome at it. And so there was a lot, it was a very difficult thing to let go of like, I thought I knew what I was doing and I've got to change the way I'm doing some of these things. Yeah. And that just was difficult. I think too, it's like for anybody, it's hard to, it's hard to change something that just is your normal pattern. Like you just want, you, it feels comfortable like doing what, and, and you think you're doing the right thing. So I'll use an example of like, kind of this traditional idea of like you should immediately punish and then they will never do that behavior again. Like if you're right. on the ball and if you're following through and if you're clear and if you're consistent, that's all you need to be. Um, and I think 
what's interesting is if you like really play that out, if you play that all the way out to I'm about to be 32, like if you play that out in my childhood, it was obey the first time with a happy heart. Yeah. And from the outside looking in, you could look at my childhood and like, I have an amazing relationship with my dad. We talk a lot. Like this is no dig on my parents. Right. But the way that they were brought up was kids should obey the first time. And if not, there's a consequence. Mm -hmm. So I was raised that way. Well, what it did was it created in me this like fear of authority. And Mm -hmm. so like, I'm afraid of getting in trouble because in my experience, if I didn't do the right thing, I would get in trouble. Well, fast forward to today, and I may have already said this on a different episode before, but fast forward to today, JD, like it's so hard for me to advocate for myself. Like in any situation, I mean, that's like with friendships, with my marriage, with my work life, like it is so hard for me to advocate for myself because I'm like, wait, am I complying? Am I doing the right thing? So I think if we play it all the way out, like what we would say that, like, I know if I was to call my dad today and say like, what did you hope for me whenever I was a kid? It was not for me to live in fear of like making mistakes. Like that's not the, that wasn't the heart that he and my mom had. Like that wasn't the desire. So I think, you know, the question is, okay, I, I believe you, I believe you, but I'm at home and my husband is doing it the opposite way. Well, I think it's just important to remember that like change takes time. And like you just said, some people are going to have to see it for themselves. So you may be in a home where you're going to have to start and it's really hard. I'm not going to, I'm not going to not give credit to it's hard. Like, especially in the same house, if you're trying to do a different way than your spouse, that can be confusing for kids. It can be really difficult, but if you can start to make those little shifts and your partner can see it working, yeah. they can see the change yeah. um, over time. And when you can have those conversations and everybody's calm, everybody's regulated, when yeah. you can talk about the why, like, yeah, if I scream at him, he's going to stop hitting his sister. But next time that he's jealous of his sister, he doesn't know what to do differently. He's still going to hit. Yes. Like it's not that long-term growth that we're after. So I think it's just important to remember change takes time. Yeah. Um, in our class, we like to teach the model and model of change. There's lots of theories of change out there, probably yeah. hundreds of them. One that we like to, to look at is this idea that you have information and that's helpful. It's knowledge. You can learn new skills, new ways, but then you're going to have to spend good amount of time implementing and that's practice. Like you've got to practice. You just said it. You got to practice the skills. You got to try the thing. And you're like, this is, I'm going to try to give a choice here, even though I just want to tell you to go clean your room right now. (laughs) Um, but I'm going to try this choice thing. We're going to see how it works. And I mean, if we can just be super, super transparent with our, with our listeners, it's going to work sometimes. And sometimes it's not because you're still learning. You're learning a new way forward. The kids are learning, you're learning, everybody's learning. So you're building new pathways. It's not easy to do. Um, but when we can do that over time, over time, we can get transformation and change. Yeah. Uh, but it's not quick. So we are thankful for those of you that are bought in and we see you, we know that it's lonely whenever the people, especially those closest to you are not. And we would just encourage you of like, you're not alone. You are not doing things wrong just because it's not working right away. Right. <laughs> um, but stick with it. And over time, believe the best about your partner, about your great aunt, about your grandparent, believe that they can change over time, yeah. but it's going to take, it's going to take little tweaks. It's going to take a lot of time. Um, and it's not going to be a quick, a quick process for anybody. Right. Well, I'll, I'll say like, there's two things that immediately jumped to mind. Um, and one of the things, uh, for us was like, I, um, grew up in a very similar house. Like what you're talking about, like, um, 
to obey the first time with a, with a good attitude and, and that's it. And so like we were definitely taught to just kind of, and this, this makes it sound critical. I don't mean it critical, but like we were taught to kind of blindly obey authority because we could trust that authority. And um, that was an easy thing to do in our house because I had good parents who were trying their best and yeah. and doing what they could. Um, easy to do on the you know sports field. I had great coaches, just dads of other you know yeah. kids, and like they wanted the best for us as well. Generally, with teachers, had the same experience. the The catch in that is when that circle gets broken somehow, right? So, like when you encounter people that um, should not be unilaterally trusted because of their position of authority and. So I think of, you know, Becca, we both worked in a school together years ago. And um, it, this was, I think, during our second round of ETC classes. And I remember uh, talking with you and you were coming off of a social work degree. You were like, we, you know, we had some allies in the school office who have, who have been on this podcast at different times. And so we, we were beginning to kind of form a little trauma-informed bubble in the way that we were caring for kids at the school, but it was not received by the administration. It was not generally received by other teachers. And so it created this sort of like uh, guerrilla warfare style <laughs> trauma-informed care in the school where we knew if there were certain teachers and if we knew we had kids that, um, you know, for one reason or another, were going to be having a rough day that day, we would try to intercept or try to give teachers a heads up or try to make make plans to um, have interruptions in the day or go get a granola bar or some water to the kids, whatever. Um, that that was very, very difficult. You then got the experience of getting to then transition to a place where the administration did unilaterally support um, that, and why don't you talk about that that change and like the experience of being in yeah. a in a fragmented segment and then being in a um, in a, a place that was that was all behind it. I don't think you're going to like my answer to this because <laughs> um, I, well, I think it highlights what people are feeling. So I, yeah, I worked in two schools, and in one of them uh, was was less open to the idea of trauma informed attachment focused interventions, and the other one was super bought in. And I'll say in day to day practice. Um, man, every single adult in the building is on their own journey. <laughs> so you had the teachers at, you had the teachers at the one school and they were supported by admin, uh, in their like extremely punitive approaches. Yeah. Um, and you know, we butted heads and it was hard and it definitely is harder, um, for someone like me who's scared of authority. It's definitely harder to be fighting the the admin yeah, right, personally, right. but and when I think about the kids, I do. Yeah, it, it does matter. Like if you're an administrator and you're beginning to take this journey, I think you can create a foundation where people feel safe to try this way. And the thing about trying this way is like some of the norms you're going to have to fight against some of the norms. Like we're going to have to let some kids experience their feelings in a verbal outward way. Yeah. And we're going to have to be okay with that. Um, versus in a place where they're just going to get screamed at by all the adults because the norm right. is be quiet, listen, stop talking, sit still. Yeah. Um, so I would say my two experiences, definitely. I personally felt more supported in the second, of course, because yeah. the administration had my back. They were with me. Um, they were working really hard to reduce the number of suspensions. And so we were in that, in that together. Um, the day to day for the kids very much depended in both schools on their classroom teacher. Mm. Um, and some classroom teachers were, 
starting their journey towards trauma-informed, they were willing to try a few things. Some were so bought in. I mean, I learned so much from teachers at both schools, just in the way that they saw kids and the way that they built community and the way that they used relationships really intentionally, especially with kids with challenging behaviors and found some ways to connect, to grow, to, to create an environment for healing in both schools. But in both schools, there was still the teachers who were not willing to compromise. They were not willing to budge. Um, and I would say those teachers tended to be extremely frustrated. They tended to be really annoyed, (laughs) um, whether that was at the kid or at the rest of the team kind of in both settings. And so I think, we got to remember, like, uh, when you talk to people and they're like, well, this, you know, this school is trauma-informed or this organization is trauma-informed. I think you got to remember, too, like, organizations are just made up of a bunch of people. Right. And every person right. is on their own journey. Yeah. And so we have to, number one, not judge or shame people for wherever they are in that process. Right. Because there are people who have grown up in really tough environments, and one of their survival strategies is to be real, real structured. Um, and so we don't want to like shame that response or that right. approach. Right. Um, we believe there's different ways forward. We believe that there's ways to compromise with kids, that there's ways to build felt safety, that there's ways to encourage long-term growth, all those things that you guys hear us talk about all the time. Um, but it's, it's going to take a long time. And I, I say that you're probably not going to like my answer because I think <sighs> the answer is we're never there. I don't think you can look at any school anywhere and say that school is 100 million thousand percent trauma informed because as soon as they get a new teacher, that new teacher is going to have to like be on their own journey <laughs> towards it. And so I think it's just an encouragement to you, like truly, truly, whether you're in a spot where you feel supported or not, you're, you're really not alone. Like this is such a mindset shift. It's so scary to try something so different from kind yeah. of quote unquote traditional ways of interacting with kids. Um, and I, you know, in, in a lot of ways, we're going to have to redefine what success means. Yeah. So success yeah. for me doesn't mean the kid is so quiet. Success for me is the kid is learning how to appropriately negotiate their needs. Yep. Well, that's two different outcomes. Like if you just want the kid to be quiet, you can scream at them all day and they'll be quiet. Right. But if you want them to grow up, to be able to negotiate their needs, to resolve conflict with peers, to have a great sense of independence and interdependence, it's going to take a lot more than just right. sit down, don't move. Well, I, you know, I brought that up as the first example. The, the second example along those lines is that once you do begin to, to, to get some stability within your home, people do notice, yeah. right? So like, um, where I was hoping your story would go is like, <laughs> hey, people are catching on here and like this school is changing and all that. Okay, <laughs> and I think it, let it me, probably is. And let me say this. this. The school where the admin was supportive had many, many more teachers who were using these trauma-informed practices. Yeah. So yes, I would say like maybe if the other school was 80% traditional, 20% trauma-informed, the second school was the opposite. 80% okay. trauma-informed, 20%. So yes, there is definitely like a culture and we were learning from each other. Like I will give a shout out to um, to Miss Bell, Miss Donnelly. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget people. Miss Sowell, like I could go on and on and on about the teachers, Miss Woodard that I learned from and I saw them. And the thing about this approach is you got to see the kid 
Yeah. You got to see behind the kid's behavior and you got to meet the need. Yeah. And that is so unique and personalized. I learned from those ladies and more. I learned so much just watching other people. And that's the encouraging thing about being in a supportive environment is you're given freedom to learn. Like you're yeah. given freedom to try. Oh, Miss Bell tried that really. Th- I wouldn't have thought of that. But that really helped that kid. Now down the hall in this other classroom, I can try that, which that's I right. never would have thought of. So yeah, I, I, I went to the like super practical so I went to the super practical like don't be discouraged but at the same time 100% it's like a spark and it can grow into a flame and it can spread over time and whenever you've got that going on it is kind of contagious in a good way like when you've got people that are doing it and it's working for them and you know working for them meaning like they're able to do this for the long haul without getting burnt out Okay, so a, a big part of that is having somebody to help, right? Yeah. So, like, that's what you were describing. Yeah. And I think that's what began to happen in, in our home, personally, was as we were both trying, we just had each other's back. Yeah. And, and we could see, I could see, you know, if I could see the temperature rising in Elizabeth, I would know, all right, like, just like, a, you know, good old WWE, like, tag team wrestling match, like, tag me in, and I'm going to come off the top rope now. Not not literally, <laughs> but, like, now I'm going to come in, and, and I'm ready to go, and I'm level-headed and, and ready to engage in a helpful way and vice versa. And it's probably honestly much more in the opposite way. Like that Elizabeth's tagging me, you know, tagging herself in with me. But, um, one thing that was in terms of like the encouragement, and this is the second story I was going to share is that, um, what will also happen is that like people around you begin to notice and then are receptive of jumping in with you. And, um, I can vividly remember, uh, my sister used to live in, in, uh, Jupiter, Florida. So, um, like a 17 hour drive from where we were in Birmingham. So we, we, we go to Thanksgiving in Jupiter, you know, we pack up two. I mean, this is golly, two kids under three years old and we drive 17 hours in the car together down to Thanksgiving and then had a great time with them. It was really fun to be together as a family. And obviously like, you know, we're doing fishing and we're eating seafood and we're all that. Like it was great. Like being on the, being in Florida for Thanksgiving was great. Well, we were also starting to finally feel like we were hitting our stride a little bit. Um, and then we, we would find out later shortly we were pregnant and then like that stride would go away. And so (laughs) because we had a third baby that just came out of nowhere. So, uh, we were starting to hit our stride. And one thing that happened, we were getting in the car and back in those days, a lot of times we would drive through the night if we're going back somewhere because in theory, well, the kids are going to sleep the whole car ride back. And so it's actually better that way. And I don't know, you know, you're just trying to do the best you can in those days. So that, that was a questionable decision, but we we're, you know, it's like seven o'clock, everybody's in the car, packed up, everything's packed. And my dad come, comes out of the car and was like, hey, just want you to know you guys are doing a really good job with the kids. And for, for him, and he was not a big vocal naysayer of like, yeah. you can't do this this way when we first started out. But, um, but he is a man of few words in that, in that manner. And so like that meant, I mean, we pull out of the, of the parking lot and we start driving and I'm pretty sure we were both crying and just kind of like, that was just so meaningful. But it also was like a, a sign of like, okay, there was some validation in it. We can do this. We are doing this. It is noticeable. We feel like it is the hardest thing on earth. And also there's now some fruit from it to show. And so we can, we can look at that and go, 
all right, you know what? We can do this. And then the next time that we're with my family, we can kind of give some, like, hey, if y'all are going to be with him for a little bit, here's, here's some things to look for, and here's how we handle those things. And they're down, they're down to give it a shot because they've seen it working firsthand. They've seen how it goes. And so, um, you know, that is, that is not, uh, not everybody has that story. So I don't pretend that's an equational thing that like, hey, start going and soon people will shower you with praise for how good, how good you're doing as, as parents. But, um, you know, it, it does become evident as, as you, um, as you get going. And I think too, like it's baby steps, like change is just those little baby steps. So yeah. for any of us that are on this journey, like nobody has it all together. Nobody know, like nobody knows what to do in every situation. Like somebody might be brilliant. They might be like a brilliant person and they might have all the great ideas. And then they get into the room with the kid and then <laughs> something super unexpected happens yeah. and they don't know how to respond. Like right. truly this way of parenting or caring for kids or intervening with kids is so individualized to each moment. Right. More than anything, it's about slowing yourself down getting yourself regulated and then making thoughtful decisions instead of just reacting and like lashing out. And so it's like that, that kind of journey. But I think too, when I'm thinking about, you know, if your dad was a big naysayer or like people that are in that world where like when they go on family vacations, it's really, really tough because everybody in the family is just so against it. Mm -hmm. I think for those parents, like one model, all the things we've said, model, be encouraged, surround yourself as much as possible with like-minded people, whether that be through online or in person, like however you can find those friends. But two, I think like, it's okay to set some boundaries. Like I think as a parent, as a, as a caregiver, especially it's okay to set those boundaries and make decisions. Um, I've got, three siblings who all have kids and they have different boundaries. Like some of them, whenever we're all together, they stay with family on the couch and they're all together. And then another one of my siblings, like they always get a hotel. So they have their own spot to go at the end of the day. Like, so when I say set boundaries, I don't mean it has to be like some huge dramatic life altering, but like just finding what works for your family and making that happen and being okay with that limited, you know, maybe if you're used to going on a whole week, maybe you don't need to go for a whole week. Like right. maybe you need to limit the amount of time, um, having those conversations beforehand. We've got a couple of great episodes on preparing your family for your family, which is kind yeah. of along this line. And so go listen to those for like some really specific examples about the holidays. But I just think when possible, don't be like, don't be too scared that you don't have any control over your, your kids experiences because for, for a lot of the, the naysayers, you have some amount of control. Now, if you're in a school and that's the school you have to go to and you don't have options and you're with a teacher that's hard, you're going to have to lean into your advocacy skills. You're right. going to have to push for what's good for your kid. But if, if you're in a situation where, well, when we go hang out with this friend, this friend snaps at me, maybe we need to rethink hanging out with that friend. Does that yeah. make sense? So you got to like, yeah. think about the situations, think about the level of, you know, do we need to be in this environment or not and make those changes. Now, again, I keep coming back to, but what if it's my spouse? Like, I just keep thinking about that voice in my head because we, uh, you have, and I have walked alongside parents who are in that boat. Yeah. And so I know I keep saying the same couple of things, but man, you've got to just be okay with the baby steps. Like maybe it's, you know, maybe for them, they're not going to jump in and try all the strategies 
but maybe they'd be willing to try a couple. Like yes. maybe there's one or two they would buy into. Choices is a great one. And maybe you can work together as a family of let's give two positive choices when we need them to make a choice instead of a yep. choice and a consequence. Like That's there's right. some strategy. So that even is growth is progress is supporting your kiddo. Um, so just be encouraged by those little baby steps. I think along the way. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, you know, on the spouse side of things or, or, or the like, uh, in your immediate circle side yeah. of things. Um, and I hate, I hate that this is what I'm about to say personally, because I hate what I'm about to say personally. Um, always got to start with ourselves when we're thinking about why things are so difficult. <laughs> why, why are these, why are these situations so difficult for us? And what is that resistance like bringing up in us that we then might be carrying on or passing on to our kids and our care. And so that is going to be, um, uh, super challenging. The other thing that is going to do, look, the people who know you best, know you best, right? They see you all the time. They see you good, bad, and ugly, uh, you know, in your life as you want, especially if you are living with this person, right? And they're probably painfully aware of all of your good and bad. So when you start trying to do things in a different way, if there's resistance, that resistance slowly goes away when there is change being seen. And if the change is seen in a more patient, reflective, contemplative spouse or partner or, or, you know, person, you know, aunt, cousin, whatever, like if that change is seen in the person first and you notice it in the parenting as well, like that is something that is hard. So what I'm not saying is now you have to make sure to tell everyone around you about all the wonderful work you're doing right. um, because that's what negates it. But when you are pausing and when you are thinking about why is this bothering me? It, maybe this is, it brings up a need to go to counseling or, or, or do some work therapeutically to figure out um, some stuff in your past or whatever. That work never returns void. I can just tell you like it is never, you are never going to regret like reflectively considering um, the places where you get stuck as a person and as a parent and working on those places. Um, and that is noticeable to the people around you. And so um, it's easy when you first start out and somebody's resistant for that to bring chaos and anger and uh, fighting and arguing. What if that resistance then becomes patient, calm, firm boundaries? that changes things, right? Like that's a, that's a change in what you've first seen. So and you know what you're saying right there, JD, like the same principles that we're applying with our kids, not in a right. condescending way, but let's apply those to our spouse. Right. Like if we're trying to right. be uh, regulated and stay calm and respond thoughtfully and give win-win choices and come up with compromises and set loving limits. Like when we're trying to do those things with kids, well, what if we did those things with our spouse too? Yeah. I think a lot of times it can be, um, you can look at these principles and you can think about them in a very much like adult child context, but man, who are we most likely to like lose it and scream at? <laughs> like a lot of times it's our spouse. And so yeah. if we can use these strategies and principles, these ways of communicating and being with and being attuned, yeah. like when we can do that with our spouse, that models for them what we're really after. And that can make a huge difference. Man, I can think about friendships that were just in a tough place. And one of my good friends who, who, who worked with me at the time was like, man, you need to use these trust-based principles with that friend. Mm. And it, 
it took years. Like it took years of me trying to take that approach and I wasn't perfect at it, but that friendship has now mended. And so then I think about those of you with spouses or parents or people living in your super close circle, like start to try to use these strategies that we talk about with them too. And I think the, it, well, and again, this is, this might be personality driven. So if this is not your personality, then you can leave this. But, um, I am a verbal processor. I want to talk things out. Um, I don't always want to talk very difficult things out. I want to escape those things. Right. Um, so it would be noticeable to my wife if I came home saying, Hey, um, we've been, we've just been like kind of off in this one particular area. Um, and it's been driving both of us crazy. Can we take some time individually to think about kind of what's, what's bothering us, why it's bothering us, what are our concerns, what, you know, what's, what's got this going on? And then let's, let's intentionally set some time to sit down and talk through that. Like practicing outside the moment. So not, not in that moment of frustration, you never, or you always, which, you know, as we know, are never true completely. Um, staying away from the absolutes and practicing outside the moment when both people are regulated and, and thoughtfully saying, Hey, I'd, I'd like for us to have a, like a real thoughtful conversation about this and initiating that probably not universally, but probably would go over better than, uh, shaming in the moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and same with great aunt Mildred. Like, I think when you're thinking about those other people, like, yeah. Practicing outside the moment, like talking through beforehand. Hey, man, the last couple of times we've been around, we, we've kind of gotten into it with each other. Like, that's not what I want to do. So can we talk it out? Can we think about a different way, a different way forward? Um, I think those are all great, great ideas to try out. Yeah, and I think use use our website as needed for resources or our YouTube channel or um, you can look back at other podcasts if you want. You can also lean on, you know, the Karen Purpose Institute has tons of great stuff in terms of research Um being connected to a university like that, that's their thing. Right. And so, um, if you are looking for trust-based parenting, TBRI, connected parenting, attachment-based parenting, all, if you're looking for resources, um, to, to help in those conversations, I mean, there's a, a lot of places you can find them from, but those are a few. And I want to take a second to talk us through, um, we have created in partnership with Show Hope, this trauma competency continuum, and it was designed for organizations, but I think, I think it, it kind of holds with individuals and organizations. So I'm going to kind of talk through now, this is not our, um, our own idea. It came from the Missouri model. So it was a developmental framework for trauma informed communities, um, developed by the Missouri department of health. And so they kind of came up with these frameworks and we've really kind of watched and in our experience here at ETC, like we found it to be really true. So the trauma competency continuum starts with being trauma aware So as an individual or an organization, the first thing you have to do is just like, no, there is a need for trauma-informed care. That's all that level is, just trauma-aware. So ask yourself, are your places and spaces, your homes, your communities, your schools, your churches, your businesses, your organizations, do they know that trauma-informed care is needed? That's trauma-aware. Do they know what trauma is? Do they know what trauma is? Yeah. Yeah. So that would be the next. So the next step would be trauma sensitive. So then we're going to actually start to know the skills and explore the principles of trauma informed care and learn how trauma impacts kids and families. Like how does it impact them? What does it mean? So then you become a little sensitive. So you go from aware to sensitive. The next 
stage on the continuum is trauma responsive. So that's when we're using those principles. We're using them for ourselves, for our families, for our organizations. It informs our policies. It informs the way that we treat people, all those kind of things. And then finally, the last step. So people want to start with trauma-informed. That's actually the last step on this continuum is trauma-informed. And that's when your practices are integrated with the understanding of trauma-informed care. So you're fully integrating those principles and practices into your culture as a family or as an organization. Um, and that continuum, you know, different, different folks are on different parts of that continuum over time, but that's kind of the trajectory. And so, um, as we close out this podcast, that will be available to you guys to download for free. Um, if it's helpful, it can be helpful as like a conversation starter. Like, where are we as a family? Or like, where are we as a school? Where are we as a church in our trauma competency continuum? Um, some of you listening are like, well, trauma is like, uh, we're aware that some of the principles we talk about are just for humans, human interactions right. for people. But there is an element of when people have experienced stress, trauma, and adversity, it does impact us, impacts our relationships, impacts how we interact with other people. And so this trauma-informed piece can be really life-changing if we can buy into it and if we can start seeing people with a lens of like compassion and care and um, just just using those strategies as a, as a platform for healing and change. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just say on the, on the continuum, you know, the, the, PDF that we'll share and that we'll uh, link to was created with a uh, partnership with our friends at Show Hope and um, obviously super, super, super thankful for them. Um, and so we will make that available to you. Um, you can check the show notes for the link to that. And so, um, yeah, we just, just know we've got your back. We're behind you. We're with you. Um, we are also all making mistakes all the time. So um, in no way, shape, or form is anything in this conversation meant to say that if you are not perfectly executing these connected parenting practices, you're not trying. Like trying is the goal. Trying consistently would be great. Um, And eventually that trying becomes, like we talked about, integrated with our practices. And so uh, when we mess up, the beautiful thing about trauma-informed care, like when we mess up, making things right, apologizing, um, taking ownership of our mistakes. That's part of it. Right. So, um, so we will link those things in the show notes below. Um, again, check out our YouTube page, check out our podcast library, um, all the resources we've got on empoweredtoconnect.org. Um, and let us know if there's resources that we're missing, like, let us know. JD, what is that Southern phrase? Like you catch, is it you catch more bees with honey than vinegar or like you catch flies. more, you catch yeah. more flies, whatever that phrase is. I think that's the principle when you're dealing with those people in your life, in the organizations mm. that are really, really resistant. It can be tempting to just beat them over the head with, if you don't do this, you're damaging right. our children. Right. And right. I just like that phrase. I obviously don't know the phrase, but whatever you catch more flies with honey. Like I think take that principle yeah. into the way that you talk with even the naysayers. Yeah. Yes. If you don't do this, you're dam- with a smile. You're damaging our children. <laughs> just kidding. No, find, find ways that you can, you know, that you can sincerely, not in a fake way, but that you can sincerely um, have those conversations uh, outside of emotionally charged moments. Yeah. So, all right, Becca, thank you. Great to be here. Well, hopefully there's a lot in there that, that is going to be helpful for you. Um, and like we said in the episode, obviously check out the show notes for a link to the trauma competency continuum. Um, and just know that, uh, 
you know, all these things are, are here uh, to support. This is not a silver bullet or a, a one-stop shop to all of a sudden um, cure everybody around you from uh, criticizing uh, the way you might be parenting. And so uh, you might not be experiencing that at all, or you might be experiencing a lot of it, but hopefully there's some tactics and some, um, some things today in the episode that can help you out. As you're listening to this, there are only two more days to apply for um, Cultivate Connection Facilitator Training. So we had talked for a long time about um, our parenting curriculum, which is called Cultivate Connection, um, and the way that we feel this curriculum is best dispersed through within the community is through a peer-to-peer approach. So parents teaching parents, um, caregivers teaching caregivers, in the community, um, face-to-face, in person. To date, we've had over 100 folks go through facilitator training. Um, There are people literally all over the world who are leading within their communities um, how to parent in this way. And we would love for you to be in that number if this is something that you are um, passionate about and considering. So you can find the facilitator application on our website, again, two days until (laughs) the applications close. So hopefully you are listening to this uh, on um, the 21st or 22nd of March in 2023. If you're not, um, there will be more facilitator trainings coming up soon. uh, So don't worry about that. But if, if you have been wanting to be a facilitator, you've been dragging your feet about applying, now's the time. The foot dragging has to stop. So uh, if that's you, click the link in the show notes below. Everybody check out that trauma competency continuum. Um, And without any further uh, announcements or news for the day, that's all for us. So for everybody here at Empowered to Connect, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on the ETC podcast.